Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Victoria, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, October 8th, and we are reading from the big book, Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism. We are at page 40, the first full paragraph. Today's readers are Rick, Judy B., Carol P., and Fran. The share code from the speaker's meeting yesterday, Sunday, October 7th, is 3122. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to, care, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, every group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kim to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Victoria. Here are the steps we took, which is suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Kim. Rita, will you please read the 12 traditions?
Is Rita there to read the 12 traditions? I can do that, Victoria. Thank you, Melanie. The 12 traditions. Hi, my name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered today here in Minnesota. It's cold. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me read that, and I'll pass. Thank you, Melanie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we will resume our study of Big Book, Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 40, the first full paragraph on that page. I will ask Rick to begin reading. Good morning. My name is Rick. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. 
This time, he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. The story he told is most instructive, for here was a chap absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment and determination in all his other concerns. Yet he was flat on his back, nevertheless. Well, here's Fred, and if we back up to the previous paragraph, he had said that self-knowledge would fix it. He was going to take care of his alcohol problem by himself. So we go into the next paragraph where Fred is in the hospital. We see the progressive nature of the illness. He's flat on his back, quite shaky. The other thing that's interesting uh, in the next line, this time he was quite shaky, shows the progressive nature of the illness. And then it says he soon indicated he was anxious to see us. So now there was a measure of willingness and that progressive nature of the disease, the, uh, the harms that it caused, the hurt that it caused with him, brought about a sense of willingness in Fred. And Fred wanted to talk to the members of Alcoholics Anonymous. So, and the other thing that's interesting is Fred being willing, he had heard from these guys in Alcoholics Anonymous about a year prior. They had planted that seed. And as the book tells us, they didn't waste too much time with Fred. They let Fred, they, they went into the hospital to see Fred. They told him what they had to offer. And then they let Fred make up his own mind. And at first, a year ago, he thought he might uh, be interested. But self-will took over, and Fred was going to take it off, take it over by himself. So Fred knew about the program. Fred knew uh, these guys and he knew who to contact. So they planted the seed. They didn't waste too much time. They went about their business. But when Fred was ready, Fred had someone to call, and um, the rest of the story is going to come up. And um, So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rick. Would someone else like to comment on what was read? Press star one to unmute. This is Katie, compulsory. Katie, Katie, good morning. Go ahead, please. Okay. Um, yeah, I think this is uh, just showing the progressive nature of the disease that, um, and also that they, you know, as Rick was pointing out, it's not like they, you know, it doesn't sound like they tried to contact Fred every day and tried to con continue to convince him to come back to the, to the program. They shared what they had to offer, and then they let him make his own diagnosis, go back out, see if that self-knowledge was going to fix himself. Um, and... You know, if, if you are a true compulsive overeater, all the knowledge in the world is not going to fix your problem. Um, but I think um, what I really can relate to is where it says, who had no excuse for drinking. And that's what um, 
you know, happened to me. I, I had all sorts of reasons for, for compulsively overeating, for picking up that first bite. But as my disease progressed, I no longer was eating over something. I was eating because I was a compulsive overeater, and that's just what I did. That was my reaction to life, uh, no matter what it was. It didn't good, bad, nothing, a board, you know, any, any reason in the world. And actually, it just didn't even have to be a reason. I just picked up the food all the time. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Good morning, Janice. Go ahead. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Yes, here we're here we're here we are with Fred again. You know, he was positive that this humiliating experience that he had, plus the knowledge he had acquired from the men who came to visit him from, Alco- from Alcoholics Anonymous would keep him sober for the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. But there again, where, where do we find him back in the hospital? And he soon indicated he was anxious to see us. He was anxious to see us. You know, no one can diagnose you except yourself. You know, what do we like to say? Step into the bar room and try some controlled drinking. Step into the bar room and try, and, and try, just try to have one. Step into the kitchen and try some controlled eating. Try to eat and stop abruptly, we say. Knowing what you know, you know, see if the self-knowledge is enough. Because what we know to be true about compulsive overeaters, what we know to be true about us, is that we have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And we are powerless against that. And so it's good to see that Fred is getting to his own bottom. He's getting to his own diagnosis. You know, we cannot do a thing about the thing we're not aware of. And when he was aware, He wanted to see us. And they're saying the story he told is most instructive for all of us, for all of us. For here was a chap who absolutely was convinced, and he had no excuse. He knew he had good judgment and determination in all his other concerns. You know, was my life unmanageable? I could convince myself that I was in charge of other parts of my life, so why couldn't I be in charge of this one? So Fred's telling us a very instructive story, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Who else would like to share on what was read? All right, let's move on to the next paragraph. Judy B., would you read, please? Good morning, this is Judy B., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Let him tell you about it. I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink, but I was confident it could not happen to me 
after what I had learned. I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I had been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, and that I would therefore be successful where you men failed. I felt I had every right to be self-confident that that it would be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. So here we see that uh, Fred is not convinced yet. Uh, at this point, he, he understands um, and believes that he knows what they're telling him, but, but he's just not that bad. He, he doesn't... He doesn't quite fully understand that subtle insanity that precedes the first drink. And because he's confident and successful in so many other areas of his life, he just believes that his own willpower will will keep him from from following in the footsteps of these, quote, alcoholics. And um, I can relate to this because I know in program for many years, I just did not totally believe that I had this disease. I, I believed that I could control it and that, um, that I could beat it. That I just, it, it took me a very long while before I was able to admit that I was a compulsive overeater and that nothing, nothing could um, heal this except a spiritual remedy. And Sometimes when, when your life is going well and you seem to be reasonably self-assured in many areas of your life, you know, you just, you just it's hard to believe that, that you have no control over this. And, and yet this is what um, I saw and this is what Fred will see as he uh, continues to try to live without realizing that he is truly an alcoholic. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. This is Victoria. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'd like to share on what was read. I think it's helpful to remember that the big book told us on page 35 at the top of the page that this section was going to be describing some of the mental states that precede a relapse. And as an out-of-control compulsive overeater who cannot stop once I start, I am very interested in relapse. I need to understand what my mind does prior to picking up that first bite that causes me to keep going back to the food when I want a way out. This idea of subtle insanity um, in this paragraph, I think, is so important. It, it's not saying we're raving lunatics. Um, this is subtle. This is very subtle. Um, even the reasons above, it's so subtle that even though Fred was totally convinced, unambivalent about stopping, he wanted to stop, he had... He didn't have any other problems or issues at the time that would have been an excuse to pick up. Things were going along smoothly, and he felt comforted by the judgment and determination that he had about other concerns. And yet, 
he ran off a cliff. Um, another aspect of this paragraph, which is very meaningful to me, is this business about being an exception. He was the exception that I would therefore be successful where you men failed. That for me, a tremendous egotism that all evidence to the contrary, I was going to be able to lick this. Um, despite years of evidence to the contrary in it, I somehow had an exceptional nature that would allow me to turn around this roaring locomotive that ran me over every time. I, I tried um, one more time to stay abstinent. And finally, I love this in this paragraph. At the end of the paragraph, the diet mentality that I practiced for so many years is clearly defined. And it is only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. That was my diet mentality. That's all I had to do. And then that old idea that I could conquer this problem um, would lead me into the ditch. And finally, Again, in the, par in, the, in the paragraph, the sentence, I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. So clear that that subtle insanity obviously resides in the mind, that old idea that I, I wouldn't be able to pick up. And it's an idea that brings me down. So with that, I'll pass. Who else would like to share on that paragraph? This is Kendini. Uh, Kim, and then uh, Idini. Idini, okay. Kim, go ahead, and then Idini. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Wow, this paragraph, it's like they're peeking in my window. These are all the thoughts that I had when I, my first 10 years in program. When I would come to meetings and I would have periods of abstinence and I would pick up again and periods of abstinence and I would pick up again, why was that? Well, I was much impressed with what you fellows had to say about alcoholism. I rather appreciated your ideas, but I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows. I mean, I really believed when I came into the OA, 12 steps, 12 weeks. I can do it. I'm a smart girl. I, I can figure this out. I'm not as far advanced as you guys. You know, I mean, I only had 80% of, of the stuff that you're talking about, therefore I only have to work 80% of the program. You know, that, that, that we can hear the most perfect message. I mean, this guy's hearing it from Bill and from Dr. Bob. And we often hear, if I only had the right sponsor, if I only had the right home group, if I only could meet all the people who are on a vision for you, then I could do this. But it has nothing to do with that. You know, as long as we think we're different, as long as we think we're not so advanced, I appreciate your ideas, but they're not convenient for me. It's very impressive what you say on a vision for you, but I don't have time to apply all these principles. You know, it's only the food. It's only John Barleycorn is our best advocate. It's only the food that's going to convince us that, not all, that we are powerless. Yes, I have the allergy of the body. Yes, I have the obsession of the mind. But I can still do it. 
I can still pull me like myself up by my bootstraps because I'm different. I'm different. And this is the way that I stayed sick in this program. This is the way that I would be able to get periods of absence as the disease progressed to pull me down into that black vortex. You know, if, if someone needs glasses, do you go up to another person and go, well, what is your prescription? If your prescription is worse than my prescription, then maybe I don't need to wear glasses. You know, if I need glasses to wear to drive at night, I don't make the decision, well, tonight I think I'll drive without my glasses. I accept I have a disability. I get the, the correct glasses. I get that prescription, and I wear them regardless of if it's my birthday, if it's vacation, if, I, if it's raining, if it's sunny out. But yet we think that we have all these conditions that can make it different for us. So this paragraph is the reason that I stayed sick in this program for so many years. Because as long as I thought it wasn't possible for me, for me to drink again, I was going to continue to get sicker and sicker. And with that, I pass. Hi, um, it's Hidini. Good morning, uh, my spiritual fellows. Um, my name is Hidini. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. So Fred is not being honest here with himself. And we know that honesty sets us free from the burden that we carry, thinking that we can. Fred is also denying step one here. There are so many eyes in this paragraph. It just shouts out self-will run riot. He's being self-centered and selfish, and this is the root of our problems. He is powerless. He has no strength and control over his liquor. And his solution never worked. And and yet he's still not accepting his powerlessness. He is believing in his power that he can control, and which shouts out pride. And his pride is in conflict with his powerlessness. And when we are in pride, then we don't need to seek God. We rely on self more than God. There is no God there. There's no room for him there. We are placing ourselves above God, and um, and we're definitely spiritually bankrupt because of that. So um, I needed to quiet my pride and make room for my humbleness to surface. And letting go of pride is the first step in accepting problems that are so much stronger than I am. By surrendering, I became more teachable and willing, and this brought me into God's world by living God's way. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Edini. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Hi, good morning. This is Melanie. I would like to share. Yes, Melanie. Go ahead. Thank you, Victoria. I'm looking at this as a complete paragraph, and it feels like a caution to me. I think because the uh, previous paragraph talked about um, uh, not seeing this person for a while. It's a program of attraction. He um, contacted Bill and Bob again, and they felt it so important that he, they put his story in this book and let him tell it himself. And then there were some pretty strong words in what he said. I was much impressed. I appreciated your ideas, the subtle insanity. And when I continue to read on and put it all together, I think, 
This is a caution. This is a caution about the mind. The mind. What preceded the first drink? What happened? And he's kind of going through that already. You know, I talked to you before. I was almost convinced. And then my uh, self-reliance thinking, my, I took all that information and I put it in my head and I intellectualized it all. You know, it was quite good, and it was, you know, almost there, folks. But, you know, I knew with my own ego and my pride, based on evidence, that I wasn't there or I would look like you. I wasn't identifying in. I couldn't see to identify in. My mind went to work on this, and I gave myself that edge. Okay, I got all the, all the ducks in a row here. I see what they're saying, and I'm better than that. There's a lack of humility here. And I can figure this one out. I've been able to figure out everything else in my own head. I've been on my own by myself. And so I'll just put that same energy here. I think it's a huge caution. It's a description of the thinking of the mind that's that's trying to separate myself out, to be an exception, to be an individual. Part of the process that I had in, in needing to survive I never wanted to be here, and so I look for every reason not to fit in. Um, and I'm grateful for this because um, it will hopefully, as we continue to study it and discuss it, continue to break through that thinking, the obsession of the mind that is the killer before any drink is picked up. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melanie. Would someone else like to comment on what was read? This is Janet. Yes, Janice, go ahead, please. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you. I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. You know, here, here am I. Here am I in this story. You know, knowledge was power, I felt. Knowledge was power. And so I appreciated the ideas in the big book, and I appreciated the ideas presented by the big book about my alcoholism, about my compulsive overeating. But I thought that once I knew what I knew, that that would somehow give me greater access to my willpower, that somehow knowledge and willpower were going to be the key. Now, because I looked around at my life and I saw that I had been able to lick my other personal problems, just like Fred, that, that knowing what I know, learning what I needed to learn, I could muster up that willpower again and put my will towards that problem and think my way out of anything. Think my way out of anything. And so I recognized myself in Fred. I recognized myself because I, I did feel some confidence whenever I could... I could take care of a problem. Whenever I could face something that I was facing and find my way around it or through it or over it, however that worked. But I'm going to find out that self-confidence failed us too. No matter how great my desire or my wish, my willpower was not enough. It may have worked, yes, against other problems in my life, other challenges in my life, but against this, Against the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, I was truly powerless. And with that, I'll pass. 
Thank you, Janice. Would someone else like to comment on what was read? This is Paula Mascia. Yes, Paula. Go ahead, please. Thank you. I'm going to scoot right on down to the bottom, which looks like Fred is in that same direction here. I felt I had every right. There you go. There's that entitlement again. I had every right to be self-confident. I mean, look at, look at what I was doing. I mean, I was doing great, right? That it would be only a matter, now there you go, of exercising my willpower and keeping on God. You know, it's very difficult to keep on God. To keep watch over, that means, is to secure against injury, loss, or attack. All the time, every day, 24 hours, you think your God doesn't slip, but wait a minute, then let me throw in that line. I rather appreciated your ideas about, now, by the way, he said appreciated, didn't say believed, not for him. I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle, there it is. That word subtle, sly, cunning, artful, honey, it's waiting. Your God's going to slip someday, someplace, sometime. And that's exactly what we see that that happened, because his dependence was on himself. Thank you for allowing me to share, and with that I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would someone else like to share on what was read? This is Nicole. Yes, Nicole. Go ahead. Uh, Nicole and then Judy. Hi, everybody. Good morning. This is Nicole, a gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. I just love this story like everybody else about Fred. I can relate to everything. And just what stands out for me in this paragraph, as already has been mentioned, is the whole idea of his pride, where he really thought in his mind, I would be successful where you failed. And, you know, what I love so much about God and this program of recovery is I'm seeing myself for the very first time how this pride did not just infiltrate my thoughts about eating, but this pride infiltrated my entire life. And the humility that I had been seeking, I mean, I've been a spiritual person now since 2001, and knowing the truth that pride comes before the fall, that we are warned against pride. And even still, I could not control my pride. I had a relationship with God, and yet fully prideful. And I would pray and ask God to remove this pride, but it was only until I took these steps that I could see myself clearly that I was not so different from other people, that I, too, was fallible, weak, um, and I needed to be humbled by the disease and as well as by the steps. And so as I've been changing in the program, I mean, it's about the food, as my sponsor says, but it's not about the food. It's it's so unbelievable to me how I joined this program. It was all about the food. And now as I'm in the program, it's so not all about the food. I'm seeing the program touching 
every part of my life, my relationships, my career, my thinking, and just to be free and to, to start to become free of this type of prideful attitude. I'm just changing as a person to the deepest part of who I am. And letting go of the food is, is almost a, um, a side effect of my, of my healing. And so I just want to say how grateful I am to be here and thanking God for all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nicole. Judy, would you go ahead, please? Thank you, Nick. Thank you. <clears throat> this is Judy F. from Massachusetts. I um, could really relate to everyone. And what I've found in, in my experience, um, I could identify with the denial. Um, I, I was in such denial that I had this problem and that I was powerless. And I would just keep searching for ways I was different from others when I came into these rooms. And, you know, I'm not that bad because I didn't get to 200 pounds. I'm not that bad because I can stop for a day. I'm not that bad. And that's what the mind wanted to do is just compare myself out and the disease would take over, and um, which it did. And it was just coming to that, um, like Fred at this point, you know, trying that self-knowledge, trying that, that willpower. And I see a lot with all the eyes, there's at least two eyes in every sentence that it's, he's in self-reliance. And that was what I was in and I can slip into in other areas of my life. And I think the solution is God-reliance and we get to that. But this, I see clearly the self-reliance was failing. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Would anyone else care to comment on this paragraph? All right, let's move ahead to the next paragraph. Carol P., would you read, please? Yes, good morning, Victoria. Good morning, a vision for you. Carol, compulsive overreader, recovered. In this frame of mind, I went about my business, and, and for a time all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work out of a simple matter. One day I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell, so, it, so there was nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. Um, I'd like to share on that. Uh, the very first thing in this frame of mind, we just uh, went over really well what frame of mind uh, Fred was in, and I too know that frame of mind, I'm not having any trouble refusing food and thinking, well, wow, maybe I made too much of a big deal out of all this. Um, you know, I got this. You know, I have that knowledge. I have a head full of knowledge, and, um, you know, it's just not going to be enough in the end. Um, we know that uh, the real alcoholic, uh, they're not going to believe they're in that class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they're going to try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule. And, um, you know, here he is um, going unaided, the, the greater problem, physically I felt fine. It's the greater aspect of the, the, the disease 
the mind that is um, just out there. The, the the obsession is lurking, and there's no mental defense against that first drink. So um, that's what we're going to find out here. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Carol. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Paula. May I ask you? Yes, Paula. Go ahead, please. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Well, here we see the guard coming down. See, for that's what he was to do, was just to keep on guard. But look at what he says here. It was the end of a perfect day. Not a cloud on the horizon. We all know that song. Blue skies, nothing but blue skies. Do I see? Mm-mm. No God here. Remember the subtle insanity? And there it is. Cunning. What's going to come when I'm, everything's going fine? Like I'm so fine. And I was pleased with myself. It extended I am so pleased with every part and every aspect. I don't need to be connected to a higher power here. This is a man disconnected. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead, please. Good morning, everyone, again. I love Fred. You know, during this particular dry spell. So he's just being sober. He's not doing anything else. You know, my dry spells are when I was just being abstinent, when I was on the diet and doing nothing else. And this is blows all, this is the part I was so baffled about. You know, Jim made sense to me. When, I, when things aren't going my way, when I lose everything, how could I not pick up? That makes sense. But here's Fred. Fred's saying he hasn't any pressing problems or worries. His business came off well. It's a beautiful day. And this is why I was so bad. Why am I picking up? Things are going well. I finally got the boyfriend because I lost the weight. I finally am getting some recognition at work. My friends and I are finally getting along. Why would I pick up then? You know, and that's why I love this chapter. It It doesn't matter if we're having a good day. It doesn't matter if we're having a bad day. It doesn't matter if the world is coming to an end or it's the end of a beautiful day. You know, if we have this allergy of the body, if we have this obsession of the mind, and we all we do is have another dry spell, if all we do is put our focus on abstinence, that mind will eventually tell us it's, it's a best idea to, to pick up. And this just brings me back to page 98 again. You know, it says, Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependency upon other people ahead of dependency on God. So if I put my dependency on my things working out well, I'm still going to pick up. If I put my dependency on things are bad, and I'm going to pick up. You know, so this, this disease doesn't care whether we're having a good day or a bad day. We are going to eventually give in to this disease if all we're doing it's having a particularly dry spell. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would someone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Yes, Janice, go ahead, please. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you. In this frame of mind, I went about my business. So Fred is setting the stage here for me, setting the stage. 
in this frame of mind. And what frame of mind was he in? He was in that frame of mind that I recognized. Self-confidence and only a matter of will. Exercise my will. In that frame of mind, knowing what I know, I should be able to handle anything. So he's setting the stage for us. And all went well for a, for a time. All went well. You know, he was able to put his head down, focus on his business, and refuse the drink. Refuse the drink. And so he began to have some more confidence built up. See, well, this isn't such a big deal. You know, maybe, maybe I was making too much of it. You know, maybe all I needed was to just get that willpower going once again. Dig deep, get that willpower going, and business is going well. And that was another indicator that I was doing fine. If business was going well, all other areas of my life, then this must be the case here for this problem too. All I needed was willpower. And he's even telling us, I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell. So what he's telling us also is that there has been other dry spells, other dry spells that must have ended in other problems. So that, that little niggling part is in the back of his mind. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. You know, set the stage. Set the stage. But what's going to happen to Fred, even in this frame of mind, is what we'll read about next. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. This is Victoria, compulsive overeater. I'd like to share on this passage. Um, I so identify with the perfect day and not a cloud on the horizon. And having that experience over and over again that even on my very best days, this disease takes me out. It takes me out. And I had no explanation for that for decades. It kept me completely baffled. And at the bottom of page 40, some of that subtlety of the insanity is again described. I had no trouble refusing drinks. It goes back to that passage earlier in the big book where we're told at certain times we have no defense. Not at all times. This disease keeps us coming and going. So in those states, that's when I said to myself, here's proof. I'm doing something right. I didn't pick up there. Look at that. I can do this after all. So it isn't all the time. It's only at certain times. And those certain times are so critical because when I pick up at any time, I cannot stop. I am back in full-blown relapse. I couldn't produce this explanation of why this happened. I couldn't. Just as for Fred, it was absolutely baffling. It would get me coming and going. That's why what the big book does here is so revolutionary. It is so powerful. This is the only place I could go and find an explanation of 
of what was going on here that so utterly baffled me. And that essential explanation was, it's your mind. You have no control about what happens in your mind. Your mind will tell you up is down and down is up. And the only thing we're told later and earlier that is going to help that sick mind is going to be a higher power. There was nowhere else to look for this explanation. It wasn't written up in research studies. It certainly wouldn't come from my family. They were as baffled as I was. So this was the first place in my understanding that there was an answer about what was up here in this crazy cycle, this crazy inexplicable cycle and an answer for a way out. So with that, I pass. Would someone else care to share on what was read? Press star 1 to unmute. Anyone else care to share? This is Katie. Yes, Katie. Go ahead, please. Hi, Katie. I'm, I'm, hi. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. Um, I think that as we have talked about in other paragraphs, paragraph is the word I, 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 I. Um, He's he's doing this by himself, and I, you know, I can't do this program by myself. I need um, to work with others, and I need to, uh, and I need my, most importantly, I need my higher power. Um, I wouldn't say that I've never had a day where I felt like everything was going fine, and I mean, I have many days like that now, but I don't um, just do whatever I want to do. I, I re- depend on God to guide and direct my thoughts and actions. And he is only looking at, um, you know, he says, physically I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. Well, you know, my uh, disease isn't just waiting around for me to have a problem, to be there. It's always there. You know, as someone, you know, as we like to uh, compare this disease to other diseases, I mean, I don't, you don't have cancer when you have a bad day. You have cancer. If you have cancer, you have cancer. It's, it doesn't matter how, what, uh, what else is going on. And so if you have this disease, it's not the external circumstances that are going to keep you from having this disease. It's an internal uh, change, psychic change that has to occur. And he wasn't there yet. He had not had a psychic change, even though, he uh, had all the knowledge about this problem. He had not uh, surrendered to his higher power. And, you know, I, I can relate so well to him because I, I did this. I thought that all the knowledge I had and all the information I had and all my years in OA would carry me. Well, it doesn't. Um, in the spiritual life, is not a, a theory. We have to live it. We have to live it every day. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Would someone else care to share in what was read? 
All right, let's move on to the next paragraph. Fran, would you read, please? Good morning, this is Fran, compulsive overeater. I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all, nothing more. I ordered a cocktail and my meal. Then I ordered another cocktail. After dinner, I decided to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me a highball would be fine before going to bed. So I stepped into the bar and had one. I remember having several more that night and plenty next morning. I have a shadowy recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York and of finding a friendly taxi driver at the landing field instead of my wife. The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I said and did. Then came the hospital with unbearable mental and physical suffering, and I pass. Thank you, Fran. Would someone like to comment on what was just read? This is Paula Mashia. Yes, Paula, go ahead. Wow. We had the subtle insanity. Now we see it coming to place. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, you know, up in the blue skies, everything going his way. No reason, no thought. But look at, no, no, let me change that. The other thought came to mind, that unguided moment that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. This is the man that had suffered so much. I mean, this is another trip to the asylum or the hospital. Now, wouldn't that be nice? There, the insanity. This time, it was going to be different. And it never was. Never was different. Thank you for allowing me to share. But with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would someone else care to share in what was read? Judy? Judy, please go ahead. Thank you. Hi, Judy F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, gosh, I love Fred. I am so Fred. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we, we learn, I learned in these um, rooms and from this book that all thought, all action is born in thought, and, and that is the main problem, we have an allergy of the body, but the main problem is in our mind. And this clearly shows how he just had a thought and then he followed it up with the action. And the other just, you know, forgetting, not remembering what pain, what misery the food brought to me. I would just, it seemed like a good idea. And I would <clears throat> rationalize, oh, you know, a, you know, one piece of something for dessert would be fine. And, um, and you know, normal people have. I mean, everyone else can do it. Why can't I? And this clearly shows how he has not accepted himself as an alcoholic. And um, without a doubt, if there was any little doubt I have, the disease would come in and it would be subtle. It would never come in a big size, you know, a huge flour and sugar product. It would be um, very subtle. I'll just have one more. And then um, I couldn't handle one more, and one more 
started me off. And that's what we see here as it goes down. Um, and again, all the eyes, 13 eyes in this one paragraph, um, which shows it's, um, you know, self-reliance is failing him. Thank you. Thank you for your share. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity. Fran, would you be willing to read the um, vision for you on page 164? Is Fran there? Melanie, would you be willing to read? I would be. Thank you. Mm -hmm. A vision for you. Our book is meant... My name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater. I don't want to forget to ever say that. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless and keep you until then. And with that, I pass.